This is HH from Just Another Horror Story. Thank you for listening. Mortified. It was three o'clock in the afternoon and the school bell rang. Erica put down her pencil and excitedly put her things away in her bag. It was the last day of school and the end of her time in elementary. Starting next fall, she would be in seventh grade and finally enter middle school. She had heard of all the adventures that awaited her. She knew of rumors that claimed middle schoolers got lunch off campus, and she had heard from a fairly reliable source that the cooler kids all smoked marijuana. Erica had no clue what marijuana was, or even what it looked like, but she was determined to try it if it came her way. She was on her way to becoming a full-fledged adult and was ready for the change. She had been in elementary for long enough, she thought to herself, and it was time to boldly step out into the world. Erica sat at her desk while the other children grouped up and chatted, joking about the end of school. They discussed their plans for the summer and gave out their phone numbers so they could call each other over the break. Erica sat quietly at her desk, alone. She didn't have many friends and was used to sitting alone while others played with each other. Most of her lunch breaks were spent sitting alone on a bench, reading, while the others played games together. She hoped that this would change in middle school and that there would be more people to meet. She was sure that this time around she would find a circle of friends to be a part of. Erica was optimistic that this time next year she would be a part of many sleepovers, parties, and more. The others had mostly left by this time, and Erica pulled out her favorite book, the first in the scary stories to tell in the dark trilogy. She loved horror and ghost stories. She didn't plan on reading it at the moment, it just calmed her to hold it in her hands. When she was lonely and felt too much of an outcast, her books always reminded her that her mind could become a best friend too. She spent most of her time imagining stories and weaving tales to tell her dolls each night. Her parents were emotionally distant, and she felt a pain that she couldn't define around them. They didn't seem to be interested in her life other than when it came to grades, and were extremely domineering towards her, even though she was still a small child. They had ridiculously high expectations from her, and they had steadily broken her childhood. It was her books and dolls that helped her escape and survive her loneliness. The freedom of imagination gave her wings to fly, to see herself from the air and observe her harsh life as a spectator, to not be bound to the earth. As long as she had a book in hand, she knew she could endure the worst. Her teacher, Mrs. Peterson, suddenly called her name. Erica walked over to her desk. By this time, the classroom was entirely empty. Yes, Mrs. Peterson, Erica said. I just wanted to talk to you for a bit. I've been noticing that you've been hanging out alone pretty often. Is everything okay? Erica squirmed under her eye. She hated authority figures and was reminded of her parents, whom she feared the most. She was afraid to stir up any trouble. Yes, I'm okay. Are you sure? How are things going at home? Erica knew not to speak of family affairs. She had learned that telling the truth about her home life got her parents in trouble, so she kept her mouth shut. Everything is okay back at home, Erica said stiffly. She suddenly felt tears welling in her eyes and fought them back. Mrs. Peterson noticed immediately and spoke to her very gently. You can talk to me. I won't tell anyone what you're feeling. Tears began to trickle down her cheeks. She turned red and replied, Everything is okay. There's nothing wrong. Wiping at the tears, Erica looked onto the floor with great shame. Mrs. Peterson looked at her with compassion and waited for her to calm down. Are your parents hurting you? 
No, no one is hurting me. I'm okay. I'd like to go now. I have to catch the bus. Mrs. Peterson's lips turned into a frown of concern, and she could not justify keeping her without a definite reason. All right, I'll let you catch the bus. Thank you, Mrs. Peterson. Erica turned to leave and was stopped by a sudden hug from her teacher. She squeezed Erica tight and said, I'm sorry. You can always talk to me if it gets too hard. No matter when, I'll be here to listen to you. A fountain of pain and tears sprung forth within her, and Erica slammed down on them hard, repressing every feeling she was having. She gritted her teeth and refused to submit to her emotions. She left as soon as Mrs. Peterson released her. Confused, ashamed, humiliated, Erica ran to catch the bus before it left. She ran on her little legs to the school parking lot to find it completely empty. Erica felt her blood run cold. Her mother would not be happy about her missing the bus. She knew that if she asked the school to call home, she would have hell to pay from her mother. Fear and sweat pricked at her skin and she could feel panic rising in her chest. She suddenly had the urge to use the bathroom. Rather than going to the office, Erica made the decision to walk home instead. It was about a five-minute drive, so she was sure that she could reach her house on her own. With her backpack on and her scary stories book in hand, Erica began the trek home. Riding the bus every day had taught her the correct path home. Her fear of having missed the bus abated, and she could tell on her Jill sports watch that she was making good time and would probably get home without her mother noticing anything was amiss. She felt invigorated. It was the first time she had walked anywhere on her own, save for within her neighborhood, and she was having a great time. The trees were green, the sidewalks were wide and clean, and the roads were nearly empty. For a period, Erica began skipping, trying to stay within each square of concrete in the sidewalk. She started reading, holding her book open while walking. After about 15 minutes, Erica neared her home and was about to turn the corner into her neighborhood when a large orange Volkswagen van pulled up next to her. The driver rolled down the window. It was a bullish-looking man, with ruddy skin and red blotches across his face from alcohol abuse. His dirty reddish-brown hair was greasy and about shoulder length, and there was a sick smell emanating from his skin and clothes. Erica cringed and took a couple steps back, trying to distance herself from this strange man. He made her scared. He tipped up his red baseball cap and looked at her with salacious intent. There was a dark violence behind those eyes. Erica could not make sense of it all and just knew that this man was dangerous. Hello there, young miss, he spoke. His voice was low and threatening. Erica, not at all used to refusing adults, replied, Hello, sir. Now I'm not a sir, you can just call me Harold. Erica looked around her uncomfortably. There was no one in sight except the two of them. She spoke. Hello, Harold. I seem to be lost. Can you help me out? I don't know any directions. I don't think I can help you. I'm almost home. You can ask my mom for help. Harold smiled wide, revealing severely yellowed teeth and inflamed gums. His teeth seemed to glint with saliva, and Erica flinched, suddenly terrified. I have to get home soon. I can't be late. I'm sorry. I have to go. Don't leave so soon. I have some extra candy that I got from my own kids, but it seems I bought too much. Do you want to take some of it off my hands? No, thank you. Erica turned to leave and began walking away at a quick pace. If she made it around the corner, she could run home and be safe. From behind her, she heard the man mutter to himself, Little bitch. 
The driver's side door opened, and the man was suddenly charging towards her. Erica began to sprint, attempting to flee, but the man was too close. He grabs her by the hair and pulls her back to him. She begins to scream, and he places one large, oil-smeared, tobacco-smelling hand over her mouth and silences her. He lifts her off the ground, holding her around the waist, and drags her back to the van. She struggles, kicks, and screams, but it is no use against this behemoth. He puts her in the back of the van, rears back one huge fist, and hits her once across the face. Erica is knocked out and loses consciousness. The man slams the van door shut, gets back in the driver's seat, and proceeds to drive off unnoticed. When Erica awoke, she couldn't remember exactly what had just happened. Blinking, she opened her eyes and put one hand up to shield against a blinding light. When her eyes had adjusted, she was terrified. She lay on a mattress in the dark, save for one light hanging from the ceiling. There was an unpleasant, fluorescent feeling to the light that made Erica feel nauseous. The room was mostly dark and she couldn't see all the walls. She stood up, not realizing that her leg was now shackled to the wall. She began screaming, pulling and shaking the chain, while pure fear coursed through her, setting her blood on fire. Suddenly she heard a door opening. Light from the outside spilled in and was gone as soon as the door was closed. She heard it being locked and some shuffling in the darkness. A figure came into the light. It was the man from before. She remembered now that she had been abducted and began to sob. She was so scared she didn't know what to do. For once, she began begging for her parents to find her and protect her. All past grievances were smoked now, and all she wanted to do was see her parents again. Little fucking cunt. Keep crying and screaming. Do it all you want as loud and hard as you can. No one is going to hear you in here. You're mine, you fucking whore. Shit yourself for all I care. Erica's crying quieted, although tears continued to stream down and her nose began dripping. She was too afraid to speak and shuffled back against the wall and hugged herself. The man looked at her with intensity. She could feel the raging swirl of lust, anger, rage within him and knew to be terrified of him. Erica tried to think of something to say, but could come up with nothing. Ah, oh, nothing to say, eh? You're not like the other ones. They always end up begging for their lives, though. I'll have you begging in a bit, little miss. The man began to unbuckle his belt. He unzipped, dropped his pants and briefs, and then kicked them away. Erica, having heard of sex only here and there on the TV, had no idea what was happening. He removed his shoes with his feet and took off his greasy white t-shirt. The man stood in front of her completely nude. His genitals were erect. This was Erica's first time ever seeing a naked man, and she was shocked. The sight of his member petrified her to the point where it looked absolutely evil. She didn't understand a second of all this. Begging for her parents inside, Erica looked at the mattress and refused to acknowledge the man. With a severe expression, the man approached her. Erica finally spoke. Please don't. What was that? The man asked mockingly. Feeling pitiful, Erica shut her mouth again. Words would not change this man, she just hoped to not anger him. He stood at the edge of the mattress and Erica looked everywhere but at him. He put his member directly in front of her. She began to cry, and disgusted, turned away. The man grabs her hair and yanks it, hard, towards him. Put your mouth around it, the man says, breathing heavily and sweating. I don't want to, she says. He slaps her across the face and she is jarred by the pain. Utterly mortified, she refuses and squeezes her mouth shut. 
The man exploded in anger. You fucking bitch, you fucking whore. Get on your knees, whore. When Erica did not comply, he beat down on her face with his fists. He smashed the bridge of her nose, causing blood to gush. Her mouth was filled with a thick metallic taste, and her right eye was beginning to swell to the point where she could not see out of it. Her cheeks felt hot, and her senses were knocked about. Before she could react, the man grabbed the back of her neck and forced himself into her mouth. She gagged and vomited, swallowing it back down, but the man continued to abuse her. Painful tears began to stream, and she struggled to breathe. The man defiled this child. He was a blackened devil incarnate and committed an ultimate sin. He pulled out and kneed her in the gut, hard. The air was knocked out of her and she struggled to breathe. Blood poured down from her head where he had struck her, making it hard to see out of her good eye. He flipped her over. She struggled, kicking her legs and flailing with her arms. The man pinned her down with his hands and knees and entered her. She shrieked wildly like a trapped animal and begged for him to stop. The man began cackling and mocking her, pretending to scream in pain. The sound of them both merged into a cacophony of devilry and suffering. She could scarcely believe how much pain she was in. She felt as if he were splitting her in two and could feel her flesh tearing. Physically, yes, she was in great pain, but it was worse on her emotionally. This trauma was now introduced onto this tender child's heart, and it spread through her like a wildfire. With each thrust into her, she felt all of her childhood and innocence fading from her grasp. Being so small and young, Erica could not process what was happening to her. She retreated into her shell and stopped fighting. The man finished inside her and then released. Erica lay on the mattress, motionless and blank. Pretty good lay for such a filthy whore, he said with no emotion. The man got dressed and left, locking the door behind him. Erica stared at the wall, gone from her body and unable to move. Her face was in agony, especially her broken nose, but she hurt even worse down there. She had been shredded to pieces and the fragments of her soul were scattered to the winds. Erica was exhausted and numb. Slowly, she sat up and winced at the pain below her waist. Her limbs were sore from where he had held her down. She reached down and felt some kind of fluid bringing up to her face bloody red fingertips. She was bleeding down there too. For some reason she couldn't explain, she knew that she had just been changed irrevocably. Again, she secretly begged for her parents to find her, that the police would break in at any moment. But hours seemed to pass and nothing changed. Erica sat, slumped against the wall, staring into the darkness. She was a completely empty shell, her eyes were vacant of any life. The door suddenly opened once more, and like last time, the man entered and locked the door behind him. Without speaking, the man rapes her again. This time Erica knew what to expect and simply left her body, observing from above, as far away from her body as she could. The man finished and wiped at his sweaty forehead. He left without a word this time, locking the door behind him. Hours later, the man returned once more. Well, I'm sorry to say that this is when we say goodbye, the man said, as if regretful. Erica peeked up at the slight hope that he would let her go. Her nose had congealed and clotted, making her voice nasally. You're gonna let me go? The man laughed derisively. Stupid, stupid little bitch. Please, please, I won't tell anyone. I just want to go home. The man walked up to her and shoved her on the mattress. Erica, suddenly realizing she was about to die, 
fought back even harder than before. She kicked his stomach over and over, squirmed out of his grasp as much as she could, and bit at his hands. All of it was to no avail, though, as the man was much too big for her. His face twisted into a vile smile as she fought against him. This time, though, Erica refused to cry. This coward preyed on those smaller than him. He was a piece of shit and Erica wouldn't give him the satisfaction of tears. It was her last fight and she was not going to give an inch more than what he forced out of her. Erica gritted her teeth and looked him in the eyes. He had deep brown, almost black eyes and she could see in them an evil abyss. Slightly taken aback by this new defiance, the man is stunned when she spits in his face. Little fucking whore, the man screams. She grins with a bloody mouth, now missing a few teeth. He slams his right fist on the mouth, sending more teeth loose. She spits them out and he slaps her across the face. Her vision darkens for a moment and comes back. The man pushes her down, enters her again, and clamps both hands around her throat. He humps her with growing fervor as he tightens his grip. Erica cannot breathe. She continues to fight him, but eventually her strength begins to fail as she loses consciousness. The man rides her like a beast and holds her throat so tight he nearly breaks her little neck. Erica can feel herself going as blackness begins to occlude her vision. She looks up at her murderer, her rapist, and knows she is about to die. She thinks of her mother and father and thinks of middle school and the unknown mystery of the marijuana. She closes her eyes as tears fall from them and passes on to the next plane. The man finishes. By the end of the following week, the man had disposed of Erica's body after snapping a few Polaroids of her. He had driven out to the middle of the desert and buried her in a shallow grave. He did not worry at all about being caught, having done this for nearly a decade. Never once had he been in any real danger of being found out. He knew exactly when was the right time to abduct and which kids to target. Erica had been a moment of opportunity. Seeing her on the sidewalk alone on an empty street was too much to pass up. Her abduction, murder, and rape had gone well, and he was satisfied for now. But after a month had passed, the man was hungry for another delicate child. The man roamed the outskirts of neighborhoods near elementary schools in his orange van. He spotted a small girl walking alone and abducted her in a similar way as with Erica. Her name was Anna, and she was to start fifth grade next year. Anna awoke on the same mattress and was in the same shackles as Erica had been in. Anna began screaming over and over for someone to come down and help. Her voice was shrill and she was in the throes of horror and looked around her in panic. She took rapid, shallow breaths as she began to hyperventilate. She cried freely and violently pulled on the shackles chain with her small, child hands to no effect. Suddenly, Anna heard a whisper. Shh, the voice said. Anna immediately quieted and looked around with hope. Hello? Is someone there? Anna asked softly. I'm here, the voice said. Where are you? A small figure came out of the darkness and appeared under the light. It was a young girl with short black hair and a serene face. It was Erica. Anna was comforted and began bawling. I'm so, so scared, she said between sobs. I want my mommy. I want to go home. Please help me. Please, please. Her voice faded as she was overcome with fear and desperation. Erica walked up to her and cupped Anna's face with both hands. Shh, shh. You don't want the man to come back, do you? Anna shook her head fiercely. Good. Now be a good girl and be quiet. 
Anna bit her lip and hiccuped out tears. Now listen to what I say very carefully. I'm going to tell you what's about to happen. You are going to be raped. What's raped? Anna whispered. Erica's face contorted and tears welled in her eyes. She kneeled down to Anna's height and smiled painfully. It'll be okay. It's just going to hurt a little bit. Anna looked at her with blind fear in her eyes and said, I just want to go home. I know, dear, I know. Listen to me. When the man comes back, he will take off all his clothes and hurt you down there. It's going to hurt, but you can't cry. You can't scream. You can't fight. You have to lay there very still and not move. You have to let it happen and wait for it to finish. But I'm scared. Anna began to cry once more. I don't want to be raped. Tears fell from Erica's eyes and she brought Anna in for a hug. It'll be okay, I promise. You'll be okay. Just listen to what I say. Erica walked back and faded into the darkness. Hello? Where did you go? Anna began to panic in confusion, but remembered Erica's words and did not make a peep. After a couple hours, the man entered the room once more. He walked into the light and stared at Anna. Anna looked back at him and refused to speak or cry. The man sneered at her and spoke angrily. So you're gonna be silent, bitch, little cunt. Anna was terrified but made no sound. You wanna be quiet, I'll make you scream. The man muttered to himself as he undressed. I'll show you, I'll make you fucking scream. He kicked away his clothes. Anna, seeing a nude, erect man for the first time, nearly screamed in fright. She fought it back and remained motionless. He stood in front of her and told her to put her mouth on his genitals. Anna opened her mouth obediently and tried fervently to resist crying while he forced himself onto her. He looked down and was instantly dissatisfied with her silence. The man slapped her across the face. Anna made no reaction, even though it made pain ring in her ears. He punched her in the side of the head and she was knocked senseless. He threw her onto her back and proceeded to rape her. Anna lay there, completely blank across her face. The man grunted with growing fierceness. She moved with each thrust but looked at the wall and tried to leave her body. Suddenly the man stopped. He had been no longer able to keep his erection. He got off on the pain and couldn't get it up without his prey screaming and crying in their cage. He jumped away from her, furious at his sudden impotence, and began to vigorously masturbate to maintain erectness. He failed. Anna looked at the wall, empty inside. The man began to shout and curse. Fuck, fuck, fuck! Fucking work, goddammit! It's not working, goddammit! The man looked over at Anna, laying still, and hurled curses at her. You are a fucking whore. You are a dirty little bitch. Don't fucking look at me. Anna did not react. She remembered Erica's words and did not move. The man grabbed his clothes and stormed out of the room, locking it behind him. As soon as the door closed, Anna began to sob. Her face pinched with pain and her ugly tears could not be stopped. She brought her knees up to her chest and curled into a ball. She wailed quietly and held her groin in pain. Erica emerged from the darkness immediately and went to her. She held Anna in her arms and rocked her back and forth. Stroking Anna's hair, Erica whispered to her, It's okay. You're okay. It's okay. It's not okay. I'm not okay, Anna cried. Look at me. You are still alive. I will make sure you stay that way. I promise. Anna looked at her with the desperation of a child. You promise? 
Erica stuck out her pinky finger and hooked it around Anna's. I promise. Anna looked at her and wiped the tears and snot away from her face. Who are you? Anna asked. I'm the girl who was here before you. I was on that exact same mattress too. That man kidnapped me, just like you, but now I'm not really here anymore. This is just a part of me that I left behind. I knew you would be coming, Anna. I am here to help you. I am just a shade of a person, just a fragment of a spirit that isn't here anymore. Anna looked at her, perplexed. What does that mean? Erica smiled slightly at her confusion and said simply, I'm a ghost. What's a ghost? When people die, sometimes they stay behind for a while. If they really want it bad enough, they, if they have a reason to stay, then they become ghosts. And you're my reason for being here. I'm going to help you escape from here. I don't get it, but thank you for helping me. Please don't leave me again. Erica looked at her with great compassion. I'm sorry, child. I can't stay here the whole time. Ghosts don't have much power, but I can give you this. Erica slipped a large hunting knife, handle first, into Anna's hands. The sharp blade and partially serrated edge gleamed in the light. Anna was frightened of weapons and shoved it away from herself, but Erica pushed it back to her. You need this. You need to be brave if you are going to escape. You need to be even stronger than the man. Can you be brave for me? Anna gripped the hilt of the knife as strong as she could and nodded with a terrified, determined face. Erica was relieved by the strength behind this small child's eyes. I will unlock your shackle now. Those are the two things I can do for you. The rest is going to be up to you. Erica held one hand over the lock of the shackle and it unlocked and popped open. Anna looked at her with gratitude. Okay, now go to the farthest corner from the light and hide as much as you can. When the man comes back into the room, he's going to start looking around for you when he sees you aren't on the mattress. When his back is turned, you need to sprint at him and drive the blade through his throat. You have to use all of your strength to get it through. Promise you'll push as hard as you can. Promise. Anna fought back the constant stream of tears and nodded. Don't go. Don't leave me, please. Erica brought her head to her chest and kissed the top of her head. You can do this. I will be watching. You won't be alone. I'm so scared, Anna said. Her breathing was shallow and rapid. I can't do this. I can't. Erica wrapped her hand around Anna's and squeezed tight. She looked into Anna's young eyes and her heart clenched. You can do this. You are strong, much stronger than you think. I know you can escape. I promised you that you would live, right? You are about to do it yourself. You can escape if you fight back. If you fight, you can live. If you don't, you will die. You are the one that makes the decision. Erica began to fade away back to the dark corners of the room and Anna was alone. She cried deeply and quickly stampered into the corner closest behind the door, where he was least likely to see her. She breathed as quietly as she could and held the knife to her chest. Anna wasn't sure she could stab the man. He was so large and fast she doubted she could get to him first. She worried he would notice her immediately and fall on her with fury. She worried that she would miss his throat and mess it all up. Anna, then, thought back to Erica's words. If she wanted to live, she would have to fight. Even as childlike as she was, a primal survival instinct blazed in her heart. Erica had her courage to turn on the offensive. Anna would not submit to being raped again. She would kill the man before letting him touch her. Even with both hands, she could barely cover the hilt of the knife. 
She gripped the knife fiercely, squeezing as tight as she could. It had been some time after Erica had left and Anna began to feel fear creeping into her body. She stood in the near darkness for what felt like forever. Her little body shook with anxiety as Anna waited for the man to return. After an hour or two, Anna was reaching the point of exhaustion from terror and was beginning to nod off. She fought to stay awake and slapped her cheek lightly. She knew that she had to follow Erica's plan exactly if she wanted to survive. Just as she was nodding off again, the door suddenly opened and the man entered the room. You want another piece of this, you bitch? The man trilled off as he noticed that Anna was not shackled to the wall. He stood in the doorway, looking at the mattress in disbelief. Anna began to panic when he didn't immediately enter the room. She just needed an opportunity for him to turn his back to her. After a few moments, he entered and walked to the mattress. Luckily for Anna, the man seemed so stupefied that he forgot to lock the door behind him. Little bitch, where are you? How did you unlock your chain? The man turned around, could not see in the darkness, and began to look over the entire room. Anna's heart thudded rapidly when he spun towards her corner, but he glanced past her, not seeing her hiding in the dark. He turned to the other side of the room. He approached the corner, his hands outstretched, feeling for her. Oh, Piggy, little Miss Piggy, where did you go? The man grinned humorlessly as he waved his arms in front of him. When he reached the wall and felt only air, the man's tone changed. He began to grow angry and spoke with a malicious voice. You better come on out right now. Come out here and I'll let you out, I promise. You want to be silent? Huh, bitch? I'll fucking show you what happens when you pull that silent shit on me. I'm gonna make you squeal, little Miss Piggy. He turned and began towards the next corner, after which would be her corner. Anna knew that this was the moment to strike. She wouldn't get another opportunity like this, and if he found her, he would rape her and kill her. It was time, but Anna suddenly couldn't muster the courage. She was terrified of blood and carnage, and had spent most of her childhood fantasizing about colorful woodland creatures. She had the impetus to move, to charge him and cut him open, but could not make herself move. Perhaps she was too much of a coward, and Erica had been wrong about her. She thought about how badly she just wanted to go home, to hide in her bedroom and curl up in a closet. Time was moving too fast and Anna couldn't make a decision. Her entire body pulsed with adrenaline and fear, and Anna began to lose hope she would be able to do it as the man neared the corner. Fucking bitch, I'll kill you. I'll strangle you, little bitch. Come here, little piggy. Come on, piggy pig pig. It was now. The moment was now. She had to act right now. She imagined the knife tearing open his flesh, the blood and torn skin, and was afraid. Just as she thought she couldn't, she remembered Erica and heard her words inside her once more. Those words gave her new strength and Anna clenched her tiny teeth together. She clutched the hilt tightly and lifted the knife up with one hand over her head, poised to strike at him. Anna took a deep breath and suddenly felt a small hand over her own. She felt wonderment and her fear evaporated for a brief moment. A voice breathed into her ear. Go, child. The hand propelled her forward and she was now running, sprinting as hard as her little legs could carry her. She leaped in the air, high on adrenaline, and landed on the man's back. He squealed in surprise, and Anna raised the knife high. Summoning all her strength, she plunged the blade into the side of his throat. 
The man began to gurgle and fell to his knees. Anna pulled the knife out and stepped back, watching the man choking on his own blood. Blood heavily spurted out and a large pool was collecting beneath him. Anna backed away. Her entire body shook and vibrated as she breathed in and out heavily. Erica emerged from a corner once more and smiled at Anna. She put her hand over Anna's and unfurled her grip over the knife. She took the knife from her and put one hand on top of Anna's head. You did a good job. Thank you. Anna wiped away her tears and attempted a weak smile back. Blade in hand, Erica walked to where the man was crouching and stood over him. You bitch, the man choked out. He stood on his hands and knees, blood pouring from his neck. He put up a hand in an attempt to stop the bleeding. In his weakened state, Erica was able to materialize. Anna's fierce impulse to live had given Erica strength. For this point in time, Erica was briefly given physical form. Erica's bright eyes glowered with fury and lightning. She bore with her the souls of all the other lost girls he had defiled. They were here with her, even though they had passed on long ago. The memories of all the innocents that had fallen here came flooding through her. A deep, righteous sense of justice rose in her. It was here, at this moment, that the man would be judged for his sins. This small girl would pass over judgment on this twisted demi-human, and she would do so with sharpened teeth. All of time had converged at this point, and Erica felt within her a holy vengeance. She kneeled down and swung the knife over her head with both hands. She drove the blade deep into his back. Grunting, she placed a foot on him and pulled the blade out. Fresh blood began to pour from the wound. The man cried out in pain, and Erica kicked him hard onto his back. His eyes widened with shock at the sight of Erica. You... I killed you. The man sputtered out as blood sprayed from his lips. The sound of his voice filled her with disgust. Her fury rose to even greater heights. She could feel the hatred and boiling black anger of all those children gone. They whispered to her now to finish him, to make him suffer to his very last breath. Erica indulged in these feelings and fell into an animalistic state. She raised her knife and plunged it into his gut. He was beginning to lose consciousness. Erica stabbed again and again, peppering his torso with blade wounds. The knife was slick with blood as more blood collected around the two girls' feet. Anna watched absently as Erica continued to stab, a flurry of blood splashing across her face. At this point, he had stopped moving and had grown quiet. Erica let him bleed out. Anna looked at Erica, standing under the light, radiantly crimson and glorious. To her, she appeared as a heavenly, blood-soaked angel. She took the knife and began to walk towards a corner once more. It's time for me to leave. You did survive, didn't I tell you? Anna ran to her and cried into her chest. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I was so scared. I was so scared. Erica held her and gave her a compassionate smile. Go on, child. Find the first person you can and call the police. They'll help you get home. It's time for me to pass on. You've given us peace. You did it. You're a survivor now, aren't you? I still don't understand. I wish you could stay. I wish I could, too. My time here is over. There's nothing to be done about it. Anna hugged Erica and cried into her shoulder. Hush, child. You made it through. No need for any more tears. I will always be with you, little survivor, and you will live on. Go. It's time for you to go. 
Erica walked backwards into the darkness and disappeared. Anna ran out the open door into the light of day outside and made it home. This podcast is part of the Tapped House Media Network. Thank you for supporting the show. You can find more from Tapped House at the link tree in the description.